What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is back today. Missed him last week. It felt like, I feel like I haven't talked to him in forever. We are doing something a little bit different today. We got one week of the regular season left, but starting next week, we're going to want to get into the NFL playoff stuff. So we are revisiting our preseason predictions from the beginning of the NFL season today. We're going to go over what we got right, what we got wrong, and some teams that owe us an apology. So it's going to be fun. Let's go. All right, Matt is here, and for those of you who have been listening to the pod for a long time, you may have noticed that uh, for the first pod of the new year, we got a new theme song, thanks to DJ Devin, who you probably heard yeah. on this podcast quite a few times. So uh, shout out to Devin. Thank you for the new beat. Uh, I'm going to convince him to let me rap over one of his beats one day, and we'll use that as the theme. That, that'll be next year. And that will be the death of his music career. It'll kill his music career. It'll kill the podcast. Uh, but my rap career will be launched to a new echelon. It'll, it'll be kind of like how like I currently have more net passing yards than the Giants did last week. It's true. We all did. <laughs> Congratulations to everyone who didn't play in the NFL this week. You all have more net passing yards than the Giants did. But like I mentioned... Matt is back. It's been, it's only been like two weeks since we recorded a podcast together, but it feels like it's been way longer. <laughs> yeah. I feel like so like much it. has happened. Yeah. But our plan for today, we went back and looked at all of our preseason predictions. We're going to, yeah, that's about how I feel about it too. So we went back and looked at all the preseason predictions and we, took a look at where we were right, where we were wrong, and wanted to do a little bit of a review of that today. So we got a couple categories. And the first category is teams that we owe an apology to for the 2021-22 NFL season. I've got a list. Um, <laughs> first one, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati. I don't think any of us had them like in the driver's seat to win the division. And the weird thing is, like, they kind of played out, like, play style-wise, kind of how we all feared they would be. Like, really explosive passing attack. Still can't protect the passer. But to this point in the season, at least wins-wise, like, it hasn't mattered. Which is kind of weird. But, like, they have surprised everyone, I feel like. We didn't talk about them much in the preseason at all. I think a lot of people just kind of expected them to take a step forward, but not mm -hmm. this big of a step. Yeah. They, I mean, their defense has been better, a lot better this year than it was last year. And then, mm -hmm. you know, having Mixon be healthy all year, along with the addition of Jamar Chase and the development of T Higgins and Joe Burrow, like they, they definitely took an impressive step forward. I, I had them on my list as well, just because we, we barely even talked about them, I think. And they've actually been one of the most fun teams to watch this entire season. Yeah. Uh, my first team that I owe an apology to is the Tennessee Titans. I, yeah, you do. <laughs> during our preseason picks, I 
did not pick the Titans to make the playoffs and they are very likely going to be the number one seed in the AFC. I, so I was down on them because I thought they were going to be really similar to the same team they were last year where the offense is really good, but the defense is horrible, but they improved from last year. They were 29th in yards allowed and 24th in points allowed. And they are now 12th in yards allowed and six in points allowed with obviously one week left to play, but I think they play Houston who I don't expect to change those stats too much. So uh, the offense has still been good, even missing Henry and missing Julio. Mm-hmm. It's been not great, not like lighting the world on fire, but still good. But the step forward by their defense has been really impressive to me. So I apologize to Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, my next one is Philly. Uh, I thought that they were going to be an absolute dumpster fire this year. And for quite a while, honestly, they looked like they were going to be. And I still honestly don't know what to think of Nick Sirianni as a head coach because he's just, the play calling has been absolutely maddening for them at multiple points this year. But they are a playoff team right now. And they were, what, like a four-win team last year? Yeah, it's been... It's been a big improvement. They clinched their spot in the playoffs last week, so they're yeah. like in, in. Yeah, no, I I chose my words carefully. They are a playoff team now. I don't understand. Like, so they have the same record as the 49ers right now, mm-hmm. but they've clinched, but the 49ers haven't because of like weird tiebreaker stuff. Even though the 49ers are technically the sixth seed and the Eagles are the seventh seed, it's just weird to see that on ESPN. We're like, yeah. <laughs> The higher seed doesn't have the clinched X next to it. Kind of the uh, the same thing with the Ravens. Like if you go in the standings, there's a team with like the same record as the Ravens. They're both eight and eight, and the Ravens aren't eliminated yet, but like the team above them is. Yeah, it's Miami. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. So I just thought that was super weird. It's I get um, it from like when I think it through and I think like, OK, yeah, tiebreakers and they blah, blah, blah. But it just right. looks weird on the site. Right. I only have one more team because I, I had the Bengals and Eagles on my list as well. Uh, my other team that we owe an apology to is the Dallas Cowboys. I will not apologize to them, though. Oh, this was this was not a segment about apologizing. This is teams we owe an apology to. We don't. <laughs> I apologize to Tennessee because I like Vrabel and I like some of those guys. We we will not apologize. Uh, but I, we, I I maintain that a couple games into these playoffs, we could see just how easy their schedule was. I was just about to say the thing about the Cowboys. So neither of us had them as a playoff team, and I think that was primarily because of two reasons. The first being Dak Prescott was coming back from a nasty ankle yeah. injury. And we thought he was really going to have to carry the team. Uh, the other thing was that the defense was really bad last year, mm-hmm. like really bad. A point in our favor, though, like you said, their schedule is really weak. The Their past schedule, so their first 17 weeks of the season, uh, their scheduled DVOA is 27th. Mm-hmm. So one of the worst schedules in the league. But Dak's actually been really good this year. I mean, not we're never going to see old Dak again rushing for like 400 yards and six touchdowns, 
but he th- he's thrown for four, over 4,000 yards and he has 32 touchdowns and 10 picks. So uh, mm-hmm. he's bounced back nicely. Good for him. And then I will not apologize to uh, Parsons, Michael Parsons, but we were both low on that draft pick partially for off field reasons that, you know, if you guys are interested yeah. in, you could you could look up some of the off field stuff about Michael Parsons from college, but also partially because we were worried about his football instincts. And one of the smart things that Dallas did this season is they're like, we're not even going to put you into in positions where you have to make a decision. Yeah. You're just going to go get after it. And he's yeah. Go you know, do one thing. Here's we, what you're doing on this play. Go do that thing. Yeah. And that's actually really smart because he has, you know, we did mention that he has the athleticism to thrive yeah. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It was just that the men, uh, mental stuff wasn't all there. Mm-hmm. And they took that away and that's made him very good. He's actually, uh, I think two sacks away from Javon curse's rookie sack record. So we'll see if he can get that on Sunday. Uh, you have any other teams that you owe an apology to my, Um, that was my list. So this team that I'm, I actually am going to apologize to, but it's not because of preseason stuff. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. We have counted them out so many times this year because they have been through so much shit. And I don't fucking know how, but like they're in a win and you're in situation this week. Like against a team that they're tied with. They're both nine and seven teams. It's the Chargers. The Chargers find ways to lose games all the time. Like they might just find their way into the playoffs after the most tumultuous season I have ever seen the team have. You know how I know the Raiders are going to win that game? Because of the Chargers? Yeah, because Chargers are going to charge, baby. <laughs> we just talked about this on last week's podcast. Chargers are going to charge. Uh, also, I need the Chargers to beat the Raiders in order to beat you in uh, postseason picks for the <laughs> AFC. We're both we're both four out of seven. Or we're both four out of six right now. I need the Chargers to get in for me to win, uh, and so I, I know the Raiders are going to come through. All right. The second category is teams who owe us an apology. So the first category was really kind of teams that we underestimated. This mm-hmm. is more teams that we overestimated, uh, and I'll go I'll go first here with I think the biggest miss for both of us from the preseason and that's the Washington foot, uh, Washington fighting Georges. You know, they were also a big part of why we didn't expect Dallas to make the playoffs. That's fair too. Yeah. They, and they also soon might be the admirals. Apparently Boomer Esiason was reporting that that's the name that they settled on. We'll see how true that is in a couple weeks, but if okay, they, Boomer. <laughs> if, if they end up naming themselves the admirals, after all of the great names that I threw out for them this preseason, then they owe us two apologies. But if they don't just go with the fighting Georges, then, well, I mean, there's many reasons to fire Dan Snyder into the sun, but that's, that'll just be another. That is the final nail in the coffin for Matt. We were both really high on that defense taking a step forward this year. They finished last season fifth in yards allowed. They are currently 27th in yards allowed this season. And, you know, Chase Young getting hurt a couple weeks ago didn't help. But even before he went down, they were looking really rough 
which was really disappointing. They came right out the gate just playing like they were essentially the worst defense in the league, like right out the gate. And I don't have an explanation for it other than just the coaching decisions that they've made on like how, how to play defense. And I just can't wrap my head around like what made them think, Hey, let's do these things so differently because the talent was there. And on the other side of the ball too, it just never really clicked this season. They brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick and we kind of like the combo of the Fitzpatrick Heineke thing. Mm -hmm. And they brought in like, you know, some weapons in the passing game, like Curtis Samuel, some of these other guys. I think the really sum up the entire Washington football team season, there was all sorts of buzz in the preseason about Antonio Gibson and about how they were going to move him into like that Christian McCaffrey role where he's going to get all these touches. And then the first thing that happens this season is they announce he has a stress fracture in his shin. Mm -hmm. It kind of turns out it's hard to get like 400 touches when you have a stress fracture in your shin. So yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. It never really took off. You probably Uh, shouldn't have been playing. (laughs) Yes. I actually am impressed that he finished as uh, I think RB 12 in fantasy football for half point PPR. So technically an RB one in a 12 team league after the stupid season he had for him to still finish that high. I was, I was impressed by that. Yeah. My number one team that owes all of us an apology. I mean, I guess the team, but like, it's more so Kevin Stefanski than anything else. The Cleveland Browns were an absolute flop this year. Like they started out kind of okay, giving us a few like signs of life in the first like five or six weeks. Oh my God. They just, they fell apart. And like part of it was injuries here and there was in Kareem Hunt hurt a lot. And then, you know, Nick Chubb missed a few games. Baker Mayfield was playing with like no shoulders and maybe a leg like for most of the year. But they straight up lost games because Kevin Stefanski just feels insecure with around Nick Chubb, apparently, because they had multiple games where they just handed the ball to Nick Chubb repeatedly. They win the game. So I don't know what's going on there, but that team should have had at least 11 wins this year. Yeah. I mean, they had a lot of issues with uh, COVID and with injuries. And to me, it it all goes back to the, to the coaching decisions and the play calling. Like, what are you doing? Because Baker has gotten a lot of heat this year. It kind of goes with his name. You have this quarterback that most people, when they see the list of injuries he has, don't understand how he's playing. And then you repeatedly in situations where you're able to run the ball at the side Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this game in my quarterback's hands. Like, read the room, bro. What the hell are you doing, Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. The thing about Baker Mayfield Kevin too is, Kevin. like, you're telling me that <laughs> Baker Mayfield with like one arm, one leg, and one hip, and like you know half of one lung available that that's better than your backup <laughs> QB situation. That's better than giving the ball to Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah, you need better backup QBs if that's the case, man. Like, yeah, I, you're telling me Case Keenum couldn't be better than Baker Mayfield was this year. 
I, I also had the Browns on my list of teams that owe us an apology. Uh, not cause I picked them to go super far or anything, but just because I had to watch a lot more Baker Mayfield this year than anybody should ever have to, they were on primetime games and national television a lot yeah. with Baker Mayfield chucking that ball around. And it was like hard to watch every yeah. single time. Some of it is obviously him just not playing well, but that's kind of what it is. Like you see him like clearly in pain and Stafford's been in a lot of pain recently too. And he's had more, more turnovers probably as a result of that. So we see clearly that, I don't know, injured quarterback throwing the ball a lot. Maybe not a good idea. Is someone ever going to learn? <laughs> Do we ever learn anything as the human race? Oh, we don't. We really like don't. Ev- everything that has is ever happening, like right now, has happened like eight thousand times before because nobody learns from previous mistakes. We never learn anything, and this is why we keep watching the Browns and keep putting the Browns on national television. I <laughs> no more. We I will say that one uh, one W for us in the preseason was that we gave some love to the Browns and talked about how we thought they were going to be good along with a lot of other people, but we did a very specific segment in the AFC North preview about how they're still the Browns and that we didn't know what was going to go wrong, but we knew that something was going to go wrong because everybody was expecting it to go well. And I still chose them to go on a Super Bowl run knowing that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one. My next team that owes us an apology is the Seattle Seahawks. (sighs) You took mine. I figured that was on your list too. Uh, one of my bold predictions from the beginning of the season was that all four NFC West teams would make the playoffs. And by all rights, we should have had it, but Seattle just had the season from hell. This is why I'm not as mad at Seattle because they had a lot of injuries, you know, specifically Russell Wilson being out mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. But like, even before the injuries, their defense was really bad. Yeah. Like their defense was horrible. They were like literally 32nd the first, I think, six weeks of the year, something like that. And then Russell got hurt. So even if he had been healthy, I don't know that they make the playoffs over the Eagles. But I that is another really disappointing team. I, I would say that Cleveland is probably the biggest disappointment of the year, and Seattle was probably number two. It's it's hard to fathom that. Like looking at that team before Russell Wilson got hurt, I it just yeah they were they were like kind of in the playoff hunt, but like they started falling out of it when he got hurt. And we're talking about a team coached by Pete Carroll, quarterbacked by Russell Wilson, and they got bad Bobby Wagner over there on defense. And before midseason, they're kind of starting to fall out of the playoff hunt. There are a lot of rumblings about there being big changes in Seattle, whether it's Russell leaving or Pete Carroll leaving or Pete Carroll moving into a front office role instead of coaching. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's I can see why it would happen because what's going on there is not working. And if Russell Wilson was unhappy last offseason, I can't imagine why he would be any happier this offseason. But think, too, with how bad their season was, 
that it would be like, Hey, at least we're going to get super, you know, somebody super talented in the draft. Nope. But the other reason they owe me an apology is because the jets now have two top 10 picks because Seattle sucks so bad. They're top 10 unprotected pick is going to the jets. Why don't yeah. we do protections in the NFL? Like we do in the NBA. Like, why don't we have like top 10 protected picks? I mean, it exists. Like, there are conditional picks. I don't see why they couldn't do it that way as well. I don't know that there are specific rules on it. Um, I would always, that would always be my condition on a conditional pick is you can have this pick unless we're bad. And it's our pick. (laughs) (laughs) That's my condition. But uh, I just. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that trade for Jamal Adams is looking worse and worse. Yeah, I think coming into this season, he was behind Vince Wilfork in career interceptions. <laughs> I think he like yeah. he either tied or passed Vince Wilfork by one this season. Yeah, I, I think he tied him this this year. <laughs> That's a tough look for a dude who is like quote unquote one of the best safeties in the league, in his own opinion. Yeah. My third one, actually, I'm going to cheat here and lump two into the same group because it's the same shit that, like, is pissing their fans off and anyone that is interested in watching these teams. So the Carolina Panthers and the Minnesota Vikings. Look, there is so much talent on those teams. (laughs) So much talent. Holy hell, were the Panthers bad after like the third week of this year? They were awful. Just god awful. They're, the Vikings defense has not returned. Like we all thought, like maybe last year was a fluke with their defense, but it's it's not been good this year either. Uh, I mean, it, it got a little better as the year went on, but it's still not a, a Mike Zimmer defense. And I mean, his seat was starting to get pretty warm last year. He might be done because they're already out of playoffs. They can't get in. Yeah, I think it's tough to miss the playoffs two years in a row with the team that has the offensive firepower that they do. Yeah, like You have Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and you're paying your quarterback. I mean, you know, say what you will about Kirk Cousins, but you're paying him a shitload of money to win games, yeah. and he's not winning fully, games. Fully guaranteed. Brutal. There's no, there's no money that you're saving by getting rid of him. On the Panthers side too, have you been reading the stuff about Matt Rule and David Tepper? Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not a good situation. David Tepper, if you don't know, David Tepper is the Panthers owner, and he's mm-hmm. pissed at the head coach because they're not winning games. And the head coach is basically saying that their development is right on track. <laughs> like, how are you on track? You, it's another team. You have a lot of talent, like Matt said, on both sides of the ball, except at quarterback. And you take this yeah. gamble on Sam Darnold that just looks, you know, it's just like that Jamal Adams trade. Yeah. Did the the Jets like win the off season? Yeah. Looking back did. at it, God damn it! I hate the Jets. Yeah. I mean, Zach's gotten better. 
Zach's getting better. I mean, you, if you're the Jets, you traded Jamal Adams for two first round picks, one of which is going to be in the top 10. And then you traded Sam Darnold for like, what, a, a second, a fourth, and a six. And he's just total garbage still outside of New York. Good for them. My last team that owes me an apology is my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. I just wanted to say that now that fantasy football is over, I had the top three receivers on my team. All, <laughs> all three of them. I had Cooper Cup, like Cooper Cup, who is like the fantasy MVP, Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel. Literally in half point PPR, I had the top three receivers and I missed the playoffs. I don't even know how the fuck I did that. Like that on its that in and of itself to have those three guys and not even make the playoffs is like an absolutely astounding feat of incompetence by me. That is truly impressive. Like, I, I, that's like more rare than any other alternative you could have thrown out to me at the beginning of the season. Like if you would have said, Hey Adam, you're going to have the top three receivers in the league, including a guy who's going to break every receiving record there is. I'd be like, sweet. I'm going to win the championship. But no, Trent did it again. Well, Trent did it because he had back-to-back years of having someone go off for over 50 points. At Kamara last year and Jamar Chase this year. Like, I was talking to Trent the other day about this. I told him, what is the likelihood that you would have two? Like, this is this is true. This is like a true statistic. He had Kamara last year and Jamar Chase this year. They put up two of the top five half-point PPR performances of all time in all of fantasy ever. Yeah. Back-to-back years in the championship on his team. The the odds of that are like infinitesimally, infinitesimally small. I can't say that word. And yet... Somehow the odds of what happened to me are probably even smaller to have the top three receivers and not make the playoffs. Fantasy is bullshit. I'm not playing next year. Yes, you are. God damn it. I'm going to introduce Maddox (laughs) to a lifetime of pain and suffering. It is the way. Let's go on to the fun part of this. We've done all the Mia Culpas. We've apologized. We've talked about teams we overestimated. Let's talk about the stuff we got right because... You know, believe it or not, we actually got a lot of stuff right this year. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first? What's your first thing? Um, I, mean, I guess I'll just go broad scope right off the bat. Uh, I got six of the eight division winners right, which I feel like is not super common. There's always, you know, twists and turns in the NFL season, crazy shit that happens at the end. I mean, I guess entirely possible that i could end up not being right on six of the eight but it seems very unlikely that that is going to be the case so that's a feather in my cap so i i are smart it, it, it's kind of a weird te- weird time to do this i mentioned this in the opener to the show but it's a little bit of a weird time to do this because we have one more week of the nfl season left so right. there there's still some balls up in the air but Next week, we're going to be focusing on wild card weekend. So uh, we yeah. wanted to get this done now. 
Yeah, you had uh, six of the eight division winners. I had 10 of the 14 playoff teams. I, I went five yeah. and seven in both conferences. Yeah, you did a lot good. better on the wild card than I did. Yeah, I nailed the wild cards, especially my one team. My I'm taking my full victory lap now, the Arizona Cardinals. I've been all in on them all season from the very first NFL podcast we did this season. You know, they got off to a great start. They struggled, you know, lost four games in a row recently uh, and bounced back with a nice win against the Cowboys on Sunday. But I, I had them as a playoff team. I had their over everywhere I could get it. I think their over under was like six and a half or seven and a half mm-hmm. or something. I had the over everywhere that they crushed. The thing that drew me to them was the moves they made on defense in the offseason. Mm hmm. And that's uh, that unit is number five in scoring and number 10 in yards allowed, even with JJ Watt going down partway through the season. And then just offensively to build a team around Kyler Murray, where he doesn't have to be a superhero every game for them to win. I know it's a little weird to say now after they had that losing streak, but they went two and one with Colt McCoy as the starter this year. Yeah. Uh, And the, you know, some really good team wins. So. I'll, I'll take my victory lap on the Cardinals now. Yeah. And like part, part of my hesitation on the Cardinals was, you know, their lack of history of consistency. And we clearly saw that this year, uh, but they started out so goddamn hot that it really didn't matter. I think it's a good lesson in post-hype sleepers. The Cardinals had a lot of buzz last season going in and then let everybody down. So everybody jumps off. Yeah. And that's kind of the time to buy. That's, that's why their win total was so low. Uh, and I, I cashed all those bets. So that's a, that's a good time to buy. So it's something to remember for next season is like, who are the post hype sleepers? Like who let us down this season who might bounce back next season? I'm going to say that I, also really hit on the Rams and Stafford situation. I know that he's gotten taken some heat over the turnovers recently, but uh, obviously injuries are a part of that. Some of it is, uh, you know, interceptions that aren't necessarily his fault. Like uh, going against the Packers was just Cooper Cup stopping at a route early, uh, tipped balls occasionally, but he's been phenomenal when they need him to be. Games are usually decided in the fourth quarter. He has this season 11 touchdowns in the fourth quarter, zero interceptions. And I remember the exact number off the top of my head. I think it was like 137 passer rating. Like he's been exactly who they need him to be late in games. That, that is what they're going to need in the playoffs. I think if you took, say, Jared Goff, and had the same some of the same issues that they had on this team this year. You're you're looking at maybe a wild card team at best, and then he's going on the road against stronger teams that are going to have a pass rush, and it's just going to be these, the same old stories last year. Um, if they eke out a win, so this is a much more dangerous Rams team, and also want to point out. Stafford has now been the quarterback for a second receiver that has had a record-breaking season in passing yards. 
So maybe, maybe connect the dots, people. Yeah, when Stafford likes somebody, he really likes them. Jeez, like it's a lot of targets. Well, I mean, you you got to look at like the guys who have had their best years with him. It's it's actually a relatively long list. You know, obviously, Kelvin Johnson set records with him. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, uh, Danny Amendola had a resurgence with him as like a third receiver. Think looking kinda, at how bad Galladay has been this season, yeah, a New York away from Matt Stafford is probably yeah. the most damning evidence of all. He was throwing like big time pet passes to Chris Durham in Detroit. I know wins are attached to quarterbacks a lot, and he put spent so much time in Detroit. That obviously, he was going to take extra heat because of that. But if you look at what he has done with what he has had it's if it's it's really hard to not be like you know what yeah that guy is phenomenal i'm gonna make a comparison for an nba player that i think a lot of people wouldn't expect he kind of reminds me of devin booker where devin booker is in phoenix and like phoenix is like this awful franchise and there's no talent on the team and it's like everybody's like devin booker is really good you know it's like oh well he can't be that good his team's winning 19 games a year Right. And then literally as soon as there's more talent on the team, they make an NBA finals and he sets like all these records for the playoffs yeah. and people are like, Oh shit, Devin Booker's really good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think that Stafford's moment, if it hasn't happened already is coming in the playoffs here soon where people, he gets on a national stage and people go, Oh shit. This guy's actually really good. He just was in a bad situation. Yeah. I, I just hope that those injuries don't rear their ugly head too much in the playoffs. Uh, It's probably going to be some big games being played outside in the cold, which isn't going to make those injuries feel any better. Um, But we'll see. It's the man's an absolute warrior, but sometimes it's to his detriment. So yeah, they would open up at home against Philly right now, which I think is a good matchup for them. Yeah, yeah. Like so that. that's that's a good start, and hopefully they can keep them clean in that game. Although, uh, God, Hargrave has been a monster this year. Yeah, there's still a lot of shuffling to do though, because the 49ers and Rams actually play this weekend, mm-hmm. so we could see some movement there. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention another one I had further down on my list, and then I'll do my last in-depth one just because we were talking about the Lions. I was really high on uh, them picking Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Before the season started, We I mentioned him as my favorite rookie in the NFC North, specifically because of uh, some underrated talent that he had and also the fit from a scheme and from a personality perspective. Like He kind of embodied yeah. a lot of the things they were looking for. And over the last five weeks, like he he's really taken off. I mean... 40, 43 catches, 451 yards and six touchdowns in five weeks. And I will continue to beat the drum for him. He's been a beast. Another one that's team related that we both had, right? Kind of a victory lap for both of us is that Pittsburgh kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, We were both low on them after, even after they were 12 and four last season and made the playoffs. And one of the big things, like one of the big criticisms that we both had 
with them was picking Najee Harris in the first round. They were 32nd in rushing last year, mostly because their offensive line is so bad. Yeah. And instead of addressing offensive line, they decided to pick a new running back to fix their run game. Mm -hmm. They're 28th in rushing right now. So (laughs) it didn't work. Uh, And, you know, we both saw that coming from a mile away. So it's a little victory lap for both of us. I know. Well, they, they're still technically in contention for the playoffs. Oh, I know. It, it's unlikely, but it's it could happen. The amount of stuff that would have to happen for them to make it is kind of ridiculous. But uh, I, so I'm, I'm comfortable calling it and saying that we're good with our pick of them not making the playoffs. Well, now they're in. Yep, that's, that's it. Goodbye, Raiders. A couple things. I'll take my, uh, you know, we, you and I both actually said this about the Lions, that they were just going to be a tough out all year. And they absolutely were. There are numerous teams that have worse uh, point differentials on the season than the Lions that have like three or four more wins than them because they're bad teams who got blown out, but the Lions were in almost every game. And the Lions actually have these best strength of victory in the entire league. So, I mean, they, it's not like their two wins came against like three or four win teams. So uh, they, they packed the punch this year. And it, I think it shows that at least this regime with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes is off to a good start. Um so my excitement was warranted. Um, we'll see where we go from here. And then uh, my va- my absolute last victory lap. Well, I didn't call Mac Jones being the best rookie quarterback this year. I was high on him. And I hit the nail on the head with him. We all knew that he was going to be the most pro ready, but I also was very vocal about the fact that like, his athletic tools were not as bad as people thought. And I mean, you, you of all people know that now watching him, uh, like he has, I think he actually ran like the same 40 time as Patrick Mahomes. Um, so um, like he's got the tools to make plays with his legs and he's got that aggressive mindset that he just wants to like own and dominate the defense on every play. And uh, he's fun to watch. And I am glad that I can take this particular victory lap because hitting out a quarterback is fucking hard. Yeah. The, the thing that about Mac Jones, I think is kind of scary is that he may even be better than what we've seen because yeah. Like I've I've been on this for a couple of weeks now that the pass catching talent on the Patriots is actually not yeah. that high. It's not yeah, it's not that great, and they need to add some outside receivers for him. So for him to do what he's done with Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and uh, Hunter Henry and like don't get me wrong, these guys I love these guys, but I just don't think yeah. it's like he didn't come into a situation yeah. where like if he had been drafted by the 49ers. And he had like Ayuk and Kittle and Debo and like all these guys. So I think there may be even more there than we know. I will say that he, he has been very fortunate in that he came into a situation where like his tight end situation was very good. 
and he has a good slot receiver. I really like Jacoby Myers. Um, I don't think there's a team in the league that could be upset with having him as their starting slot receiver. But once you get outside of that, it kind of falls off a cliff. Like, no offense to those guys, but they there's a reason that the Patriots were picking them up off the scrap heap. Yeah, the, the only caveat I'm going to add to that, though, is that he is being coached and developed by the greatest professional sports coach of all time. So it's, you know, there's give and take. Uh, just a couple rapid fire things before we go on to random thoughts. Uh, both of us had the Patriots returning to the playoffs, uh, as well as the 49ers. That's not a huge victory lap because both those teams had a lot of preseason hype, um, but still a good call. One of my bold predictions from the draft was that Javante Williams was going to be the best running back in the draft. He had 1,155 total yards so far this season, which is second most among rookies. Uh, Najee has a little bit over 1,600, but he's done it on 134 more touches. So he has a little bit less than 500 more yards than Javante, but like we're talking a dude – Najee Harris is going to end up with like 380 touches, maybe more this season. He's at like 366 right now. Uh, so I still think Javante is in the running for that. And just like free Javante. He had, I think, one game where Melvin Gordon didn't play this season. And he had something like 30 fantasy points in that game. He had like 128 rushing and two touchdowns and then like another 70 receiving or something I'm crazy. I'm pretty sure that was the Lions game that I went to. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. He was an yeah. absolute beast. So those were last couple other good things. I mean, there were some other good picks in there. Like you said, we actually, between the two of us, we hit almost every single playoff team. I think the only ones we didn't have between the two of us were the Eagles and the Bengals. So that's yeah. pretty good. And I was not as far off on the Falcons as I thought I would be. Honestly. Oh, I... I wrote this down for the Falcons for you because I think that this is hysterical. The Falcons, so one of the arguments with the Falcons having a better record this season was that they were, I think, four and eight in games decided by one score last season. Yeah. And we were saying that basically, you know, just reverting to the mean that they had to, you know, games around one score in the NFL or your record is probably closer to 500. Yeah. So we were like, Oh yeah. You know, if they're four more wins or they're like, Oh, and eight in games decided by one score last season. And we were like, okay, yeah. Like four more wins that probably gets you in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, this season they are seven and two in <laughs> games decided by one score. The problem <laughs> is that they are 0-7 in games decided by more than one score. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so not only did they revert to the mean, but they surpassed it as far as games that are one score or less. It's just the problem is that they're getting their absolute shit rocked by everybody else. It's crazy. Uh, but let's go on to random thoughts. We'll try to jump through some of these quickly. Yeah. Random thought number one from week 17, which should be the last week of the season, but it's not anymore. People need to stop forgetting about draft evaluations as soon as the players actually start playing. 
I'm specifically, I'm harping on this this week because Trey Lance started against Houston the other day and had a, not like a great game, but a good game. He was 16 of 23 for 249 yards, two touchdowns, a pick and 31 yards rushing. Like that's not, it's not great. It's not bad. It's a, that's a good game, especially for no, a rookie. Actually, there's progress for him. Yeah, there's a lot of progress. The narrative all week on podcasts and shows and everything I've watched is like, why is Trey Lance so raw? Like, oh my God, I can't believe how raw he is. Blah, blah, blah. If you listen to this podcast or read almost any single draft evaluation out there. If you listen to any podcast, it doesn't have to be sports related. They're telling you this. Yeah, this was like the big, like in bold letters across the top of his scouting report. This guy is really raw. And this guy is, is raw dog. Yeah. And if you listen to this podcast, you know, obviously I was really high on him, but even I said, like, it's going to be two to three years for this guy to really start showing the stuff that you want to see out of a young quarterback, because he has so little experience at the collegiate level of being a starting quarterback. And we, we can't just like throw that out the window just because he plays and like looks raw his first season. Like, yeah, we all knew that he was going to be raw. Yeah. On the other side of that, we all also knew that Mac Jones was going to be the most pro ready quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think we knew he was going to be this good, but for people to look at this season and say, Oh man, Mac Jones is obviously the best quarterback from this draft class. I think is a bit of an overreaction. And it's kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater with these evaluations. Like, these other guys need time to develop. And then we can really see like three or four years from now who the best quarterback in the draft class is. I don't know. Maybe we should just stop throwing babies. You probably should not throw your bathwater out unless you know where your baby is. That's locate your baby before you throw your bathwater. Yeah. That's, that's parenting advice from someone who's about to become a parent in a couple months. <laughs> Know where your baby is before you throw your water out. Um, yeah, like Zach Wilson is another case. Like, oh, dude throws like inexplicable picks because he's super aggressive. Wow, this like super young kid that was super aggressive in college is suddenly still super aggressive in the NFL. Hmm. Now he looks better later in the year because the game is slowing down for him. Like, let's remember what these guys were in college and take that into into account when we are formulating our views about them as pros. Yeah, that was that was my thing with Lance over the weekend, too, is I, I, I watched the condensed version of that game and I watched all the plays. And like, yeah, he was raw and he made some bad throws that he could have had more interceptions, you know, made missed a couple open throws but then also flashed all of the things that there is to love about him with the athleticism. And you saw with like some of the rollouts, him putting the defense in really bad positions and some of the stuff he can do kind of carrying the ball on the ground. So yeah, like you said, just let's not just take these draft evaluations and throw them out completely. You know, really, if you're going to throw something out, you should probably throw out a lot of the stuff from the first year of these guys. Yeah. You know, especially someone like Trevor Lawrence, who. Yeah, I was I was going to say Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I'm not saying throw out what you're seeing now, but like recognize that. 
they're question marks. We don't really know what they are because what we're seeing right now isn't fair to evaluate them on based on the situations that both of them have been in. Yeah, I guess maybe not throw out the whole first season, but especially for Lawrence, has there ever been a worse situation for a number one pick to come into? Yeah. Like with all the Urban Meyer drama and also having to live in Jacksonville, like, (laughs) I'm sorry, Jacksonville. Uh, I'm sorry to the people of Jacksonville for having to live in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I'm also very sorry for James Robinson because this was the year from hell for him. I mean, it's a tough year for the whole organization is like you have the Urban Meyer stuff. You have your other first round pick, Travis Etienne. Yeah. Gets hurt and misses the whole season even before it started. Like, yeah, it is tough, man. Well, but that actually is what makes this year even worse for James Robinson. So they drafted Etienne and then James Robinson tears his Achilles super late in the year. He's going to miss a ton of time because that's how Achilles work. Unless you're uh, Kay makers, which is completely insane, but whatever. Now like Travis Etienne is going to have first crack at, you know, the backfield next year. And who knows what's going to happen with James Robinson now in his career. And as a running back, like you really essentially get one shot at your big contract. So this, this is a tough, tough draw for him. Um, And Urban Meyer is 100% to blame for it. So Urban Meyer, I hope that every time you take a step for the rest of your life, you stub your toe every time. <laughs> you just real quick before we go on to the next one on Cam Akers. Do you feel like the doctor looked at Cam Akers and was like, Cam, you have a torn Achilles. And Cam <laughs> looked back at the doctor and said, it's okay, doc. I have two of them. <laughs> I can still go. <laughs> I feel like that was the conversation. He's like, I got two. I can still go. Let's go. Uh, the second one, I wanted to get onto this too, because I, we have a lot to say about this cognitive dissonance with the athletes that you root for. When should we start caring about the off the field stuff? So this one's coming up because there is a story this week about a reporter who, I mean, you got to kind of take this with a grain of salt because he's from Chicago basically said that he would not vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP. And that this is a guy who actually has an MVP vote. Mm-hmm. said he will not be voting for Rodgers because of his conduct off the field this season. Rodgers fired back, and I, I know that Matt's fired up about this, so I'm going to finish and then I'll let you go. Yeah, Rodgers fired back by saying the guy should have his vote taken away. And there's been a media narrative, basically, that when you are rooting for someone or watching somebody or voting for MVP – that you have to be able to separate the on the field stuff from the off the field stuff. And what I want to say back to the people that believe that is no, I fucking don't. I can root for whoever I want, vote for whoever I want for awards and basically do whatever I want buy whoever's Jersey I want. And I can do it for any reason I want. 
if I don't want to vote for Aaron Rodgers because he tried to torpedo his team season multiple times and failed, I don't have to vote for him. If I don't want to root for Tyreek Hill because of his legal issues with abuse, I don't have to vote for him or root for him. If I think that celebrating Big Ben's last day is kind of disgusting, I am perfectly validated in feeling that way. And I think I don't think this guy should have to vote for Rodgers. You know, if you if your reasons for not voting for somebody are that they're an asshole, then don't vote for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And before I get on to Rogers to piggyback off of that, where has this sentiment been in Hall of Fame voting all these years then? Why the hell was Terrell Owens not a first ballot Hall of Famer? If you have made that argument as to why you need to vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP and you did not vote, for Terrell Owens to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, then you're a piece of shit. I think that's a really good point about the Hall of Fame, too. I didn't think about that. I like that one. Uh, and kind of where I come in on this is that the media narrative around Aaron Rodgers all season has been that he's a diva and that he's blowing up this team and that he blah, blah, blah. And I really think what's happened the last week or so is that the NFL came out and they were like, hey, guys, like we're, we're going to name this guy MVP. And we really need you to turn around public sentiment on this. And so like the, this is the NFL launching a new narrative about the guy who's going to be the MVP this season and saying like, oh, you got to separate off field and on field stuff. And I don't No, I don't No, because it's they're all the same person. But it's just like, where do we draw the line on who we root for? Because like technically Aaron Rodgers did not break the law. He you know, like I said, he tried to torpedo his team season multiple times, but they mm-hmm. finished as the number one seed in the NFC. So like, I get the argument to vote for him. I just am not opposed to anybody that doesn't want to vote for him for personal reasons. I'm fine with that. Yeah. If you have an MVP vote, there's only 50 of them. It's because you're a professional. You're good at your job. You take your job seriously and you do it right and you follow the ethics of your profession. Like, I'm so fucking sick of Aaron Rodgers because the the, the points that that he brought up were essentially that, like, yeah, he created a lot of drama in the offseason. He was trying to get out. Uh, he showed up at the last possible moment in training camp. And I mean, obviously that had an effect on his team because they got stomped week one. They got absolutely embarrassed. And then preseason, he tells everyone and their mother that essentially that he's, he's vaccinated. He said he was immunized and then he followed it up and said, I'm not going to judge other players that aren't vaccinated. So yeah, he didn't, say word for word, I'm vaccinated, but the way he spoke indicates, yes, I am vaccinated. So he's a liar about a public health issue that affects other people. Because when you are in a football locker room, that's a lot of people in one enclosed space. Well, just It's not even just the football locker room. He was hosting Jeopardy. 
He did more commercials than any other professional athlete this year. He was doing like charity events and like he was Mm -hmm. all over the place after lying about being vaccinated. Yeah. And then when it comes out that he is not vaccinated and look, look, I don't want it to feel like I'm just pounding him because he's not vaccinated, even though I think it is a fundamentally selfish and stupid idea. But I recognize that we live in a society where we accept every viewpoint, even if it is not backed by science. So, okay, I'm willing to accept that. But when it does come out and there is criticism about him, he turned around and went on the Pat McAfee show and just started trying to gaslight everyone that was critical of him instead of taking any kind of accountability whatsoever. Yeah. yeah I just want to jump in for a sec on that too, just to mention that like, we're not pissed at Kirk Cousins right now. No. Like we're not mad at Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins from the very beginning was like, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And I, I don't believe in it. Okay. Whatever. Kirk, yeah. That's it's, you know, flawed thinking, but you have the right to your viewpoint. So that's not why we're trashing Rogers. Aaron Rodgers is just an asshole. Yeah. And also like it, literally cost his team a game by not being vaccinated this year. They had to play Jordan love in Kansas city. He does all this gaslighting BS originally when this stuff comes out. And now when is it, is it hub Arkash? Is that how I say it? I think so. Okay. Apolo- apologies I, to the writer in Chicago if we don't get your name right. But yeah, I I don't have it in front of me, and I'm an idiot on the internet. So he raises legitimate concerns about him, and he's critical of him, and he says that these are reasons why I'm not voting for him, and also recognizes that other people are going to vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP and cites that it is valid for them to do that. And it's totally fine. He is still being professional about the situation. And then Aaron Rodgers turns around and decides to be a fucking child and calls him a bum and says that he should lose his MVP voting privileges. This is a pattern of behavior now. There's just too much smoke for there not to be fire. Like, we're seeing this stuff left and right. This season has made it, at least in my eyes, clear as day that, like, all the smoke that we saw before was just fire that he, you know, threw a tarp over or something. Yeah, if you don't want to root for Aaron Rodgers or you don't want to vote for him for MVP or whatever, you can do that for any reason you want. You don't have to separate the off-field, on-field stuff. Random thought number three, Tom Brady still owns the AFC East. He is 4-0 against the AFC East, beat all four teams this season, uh, broke the Bills and Jets fans' hearts in classic Tom Brady fashion. I mean, for you know the Bills, they beat him in overtime with that long touchdown. The Jets this past week, oh, in the Meadowlands or whatever the hell they're calling their stadium now, the Buccaneers get the ball back down by four with 56 seconds left and no timeouts. And it was just like the most Tom Brady thing ever to march right down the field against the Jets and score a touchdown. 
and win that game. I loved it. My dad and I were just like cackling at all of the sad pictures of Jets fans. It was incredible. I loved it. I loved it. And like credit for the Jets for hanging in on that game and making it tough. But it's just such like a, I can't tell you how many times watching Tom Brady with the Patriots over the years where the bills would give us a tough game or the jets or whoever. And like the very end, he just goes down and does what Tom Brady does. It was, it was fun to see him do it to the jets one more time. I, I honestly really do just feel so bad for Zach Wilson because that would have been such a big boost to his confidence. Although that might've been a bad thing for him, but, (laughs) um, but like he played a good game. Like he did what he needed to do in that game to give his team a chance. And then he just got Tom Brady. Like there's no other way to put it. <laughs> it's happened to a lot of people. Zach Wilson. Don't feel bad. Yeah. But uh, also don't start to feel too good. Yeah. Even kill, even kill buddy. Uh, and then the last random thought, do you trust anybody to win the Super Bowl? No, this, I was actually on DraftKings a few days ago trying to like find some like long, you know, some like long-term NFL bets. And I was looking at the Super Bowl and I'm like, God, I don't feel good about any of these teams. <laughs> I did a bit. So I was, I was flying solo last week cause I was in Nashville with my wife and I did a bit on the last podcast. I'm not sure if you heard that uh, I did the teams like who are contenders and who are pretenders. Yeah. I had like four teams that I was like, I'm, I'm really comfortable saying the champion's going to come out of one of these four teams. And then like the Buccaneers play that super close game against the Jets. The Rams barely beat the Ravens. The Chiefs yeah. lost to since like everybody just instantly came out and shit the bed. And it's just been like that all season where we've had, you know, double digit point underdogs either win outright or cover the spreads more often than not. And it, I mean, it's been a tough year for gambling because there's been so many upsets and it's like, I can't look at any one team right now and say yeah. like, that's who I think the champion's going to be. And I, I actually think that makes it more fun this time of year. Uh, no, I, I agree. Uh, as a person who doesn't have a team in the playoff, the pain is real. Um, yeah. But uh, it'll it'll be a lot more interesting because at least after the wild card round, like every game is gonna feel like a toss up, and like I'm I'm hoping that the way the games unfold are toss ups, like it it goes right down to the end. But we'll see. Uh, weirdly enough, couldn't have imagined this early in the season, but like. Cincy is feeling like a threat this year. I don't want to play them. Patriots are lined up against Cincy in the first round right now. God. I I don't. Well, it's like, man, on one hand, they have so much offensive talent. And you look at like the teams with big firepower against the Patriots defense this year, like Dallas Mm -hmm. and with some of these other teams like the Bills, we've really struggled. And so it's concerning. And then on the other side, it's like, well, it is Burrow's very first playoff start and Zach Taylor's first playoff game against Bill Belichick. Yeah. So, um, but before we move on, I just want to tell you that I, I feel your pain, Matt, Uh, my football team also had a very long playoff drought 
that just ended recently. <laughs> Matt is flipping me off with both fingers. The double bird. We missed the we missed the playoffs for a whole year, Matt. But now we're back. The Patriots are back. I I just am like concerned with every potential first round matchup. <laughs> I don't there's not like one I'm rooting for. It's like you may have to play the Bills. And I'm like, oh man, they just came into Foxborough and whooped us. And it's like, well, you could play the Bengals. And I'm like, oh God, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, it's scary. <laughs> and they're like, well, you could get the Chiefs. And I'm like, oh God, I don't want the Chiefs. Like there's there is no right answer here. It's uh it's gonna be difficult. Yeah, I I don't feel good about the Chiefs in the playoffs for them personally. I don't know why teams in the second half of the year have continued to do it, but like, you know, even the Bengals in the first half of that game this past week were like, all right, yeah, we'll go back to one high. And then they went off and then they in the first half, and like, all right, well, what do we do too high in the second half? And then suddenly they don't score points in the second half. It's like, huh. Almost like it works. That thing that you did, like, you know, the entire first half of the year against the Chiefs might have worked. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird, it's like Schrodinger's playoff matchup where I simultaneously feel bad about every matchup for the Patriots and also good. <laughs> like, I don't know how I feel. Like, I'll be here this week being like, oh man, I'm nervous about the Bengals. And then next week I'll be back with my Patriots playoff scarf on. And I'll be like, where I whoop the Bengals ass? Not afraid of Joe Burrow. So, yeah, man, we'll see how it unfolds. I'm just excited we're back. I think uh, making the playoffs with a rookie quarterback and the lack of talent on the outside is a massive achievement for Bill Belichick. Yeah. I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, last thing, the weird sports story of the week. This is like a saga. This is like episode seven in the Antonio Brown saga. That's a way, way too low number. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 49 of Mr. Big Chest. Uh, For anybody, I don't know how you wouldn't have seen this if you watch football, but for anybody who didn't see it on Sunday during like the middle of the second half, I I forget exactly how much time was left, but just during the middle of the game, Antonio Brown threw down his helmet and pads on the sideline and then proceeded to like strip off all of his like gloves and sweatbands and his shirt and walk off of the field like walk on the field while the game was going on half naked like people thought it was a streaker running across the field and then they look down and it's like antonio brown is like waving by to the fans and like chucking gear up to them yeah security was prepared to tackle him until they realized it was him which would have been hilarious, but also probably not good for anyone involved. No. And like, we're not going to go through, we, I don't think we have time to go through the entire Antonio Brown saga, but this no, is no, like, that's, a, that's its own podcast. No, this is just the latest in like a long line of like really weird behavior. And it's actually somehow gotten more weird since Sunday where he's been tweeting out text exchanges between him and Bruce Arians. He, is accusing Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero of uh, what basically like he paid Alex Guerrero a hundred thousand dollars for services and never got the services. And now Alex Guerrero is trying to keep the money. <laughs> like, Well, the see like the screenshot that I saw of him doing that. It's like, 
I don't even understand what he thought people were going to think when he did that because the texts clearly say that like he was no longer going to be working with him anymore. So he wanted half of his money back. And Alex is like, Oh yeah, man. Like if you don't want to keep working together, like I totally understand. That's totally fine. Just like, let me know how you want to do this so that we can like arrange this so you can get your money back. And then like the caption that he put on there was like, can't believe that this guy charged me a hundred K. I'm like, what the he said he did exactly what you want him to do <laughs> i know so like from antonio brown's side of the story he's claiming that he rolled his ankle a couple weeks ago and that it was bothering him and so when he was told to go into the game on sunday he said no and he's antonio brown is claiming that bruce arians told him you either go into the game or you're cut like you're it this is it with the bucks and so that's when he freaked out and left. I I mean, if that's the truth, I get why he's mad. I just don't think you can trust anything that Antonio Brown says at this point. No, I mean, I don't want to dive back into stuff from earlier in the saga, but like a lot of stuff came out that makes it hard to trust anything that he says. So, and like, as far as the text goes, which makes like the Alex Guerrero thing like super weird because you can fake text messages so easily. Just text someone who will say whatever you want them to say and then change the name. Super easy. What I will say on this is that like what we are seeing from Antonio is scary for him um at the end of the day despite all of his actions and some of the terrible things that he seems to have done in the past he is a living breathing human being and i do believe that he is suffering from some sort of crisis he needs assistance with it and unfortunately the kind of erratic behavior that we've seen over the last several years is kind of in line from with the type of clients that I have worked with in the past in the mental health field that tend to decline services. So I hope that he does go get assistance and, you know, get stabilized so that he can live a productive, stable life. But his history of actions don't indicate to me that that's what's going to happen unfortunately and i want nothing more than him to prove me wrong the really like wild thing about the whole story too is like we've kind of been alluding to that it's like a whole saga like there's just been so much stuff with him over the last couple years i was trying to explain the whole thing to marley the other day my wife and I just kept forgetting stuff. I'd be like, oh, he did this. And then he did this and then he did this. And I'd be like, oh God, I forgot that he also did this. And then like, I kept having to go back and like add more stuff. There's just been so much stuff that it's like hard to keep track of all of it at this point. Uh, so I, I agree with you. It does, you know, I'm hoping it's not like a CTE thing or like a, but something's not completely right there. And for him to just like rip off all his clothes and walk half naked off of, 
the Jets feel during the middle of a live NFL football game is just like, is wild. Yeah. I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying that's never happened ever. I, <laughs> like, no, it, it can't but, have. <laughs> Real quick before we sign off, Georgia or Bama on Monday, college football national championship. Uh, it's kind of a coin flip for me, but I'm going to go Georgia. Um, I think that it's really hard to beat a team that talented twice. And I'm going to have to believe that Stetson Bennett is going to play significantly better or at least somewhat better in this game and give their team more of a chance. But I don't know. I could see it going either way. Yeah, I think it's actually going to be a really fun game that I'm looking forward to watching. I am going the other way. I'm picking Alabama. I just – Nick Saban is just absolutely owns anybody that used to work for him. Uh, and Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator there for a long time, and I just – I think there's some weird psychological thing with him and his – you know, they, they just kind of like know what they're up against, and so they overdo it or they – yeah. Something goes wrong there. Uh, but as always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can follow Matt on Twitter and see him make more jokes about Aaron Rodgers at Matador underscore defense. And you can follow us uh, on TikTok and watch our videos at Fouled Out Podcast. Got anything else before we sign off? Kind of just following up on like our the last segment that we kind of had about uh, Antonio Brown. Honestly, if you or anyone else you know are struggling with any sort of mental health issue or you feel like you might be or even that you're just struggling in general, uh, just remember that there, there are resources out there, uh, crisis lines. Um, BetterHelp is one of the more affordable counseling options out there on the market. Just understand that like, it's normal to get help with stuff like this and it, it, it it's it's helpful for you and the people that care about you as well so i know there's there's been a stigma in this country for a lot of years about it but it's it's time for that to change i like that i'm not going to we're just going to leave it at that. I'm not even going to say my quick hitter here. Uh, <laughs> that's just a good place to leave off. It's a very positive note to wrap up that conversation. But all right, man, I will talk to you soon. Yep. See you, man. Bye, right. Robin. Bye, Bye guys. Bye, mom. Bye.